from Flint Podcasting Company and the Michigan Small Business Development Center, this is Lessons from Main Street, a podcast about what it's really like to start, run, and grow a business. In this season, we're bringing you a series of stories shared by SBDC clients in Flint, Michigan. Last spring, I went on my first Easter egg hunt in probably 20 years. No, I wasn't crashing a kid's party. In fact, there were no kids. This was an adult Easter egg hunt, complete with adult beverages brewed on site at Fenton Winery and Brewery. It was an unseasonably warm day, and an overwhelming 300 grown-ups showed up to search the wraparound porch, beer garden, trees, and pond for colorful plastic eggs. We may have all been adults, but it was not much different from when I was a kid. I hung back, intimidated by the more aggressive egg seekers rushing forward, jostling to be first in prime locations. And just like 10-year-old me, I found zero eggs. But this time, I got to go inside and drink my consolation prize. The best way to describe the bar pub area is industrial farmhouse. Picture super high exposed ceilings with metallic light fixtures hanging down over the bar and seating area. The bar wraps around the center of the room and is solid wood. Behind are taps for beers brewed right on site and bottles of wine also made and aged right there. It's cool and cozy at the same time. Fenton Winery and Brewery is a relaxing place to enjoy appetizers and drinks and it's also a beautiful wedding venue. This wedding space has high vaulted ceilings painted blue with white clouds. It has the same farmhouse feel and is often decorated with flowing white sheer drapes overhead. The entire facility and outdoor grounds are flawlessly rustic chic, like something out of a design magazine. But what you can't see is the struggle, perseverance, and countless sleepless nights that it took to get here. Join me for the story of how a couple from Fenton, Michigan, turned a passion for wine tasting into a thriving business and the challenges that almost brought them down. I'm Matt Shero. I'm Ginny Shero, and our business is Fenton Winery and Brewery. Uh, we became business partners in 2007. We actually opened the business to the public January 2008. It was in a 2,000-square-foot um, strip mall on North Leroy Street in Fenton, the city of Fenton. The city of Fenton is located about 20 miles southwest of Flint. It is a really cool town with parks overlooking the Shiawassee River, a lively downtown with brand new restaurants and 100-year-old houses, and a strong community. Fenton Winery and Brewery is just outside of town, sitting far enough from the road to block out sounds of traffic. But the original location was located closer to town in a strip mall. And at 2,000 square feet, the winery was just about the size of your average Starbucks. Now, when Matt and Jenny first started thinking about opening a winery, they didn't even know how to make wine. Prior to opening the business, we hadn't done a lot of home winemaking or beer making. It was more out of a passion from the other side, um, just enjoying wine. Um, we used to spend a lot of time traveling. Anytime we traveled, we would go to vineyards and wineries and just start drinking wine, and we realized we were really into wine. And um, when we when I was looking to get out of um, the automotive industry um, and wanting to start my own business, we um, came across this this concept of opening a winery without actually having to have a vineyard, mm -hmm. which intrigued us quite a bit. It was definitely a leap of faith. Um, 
we both came from pretty secure um, corporate jobs, I guess. Um, you know, had insurance, had steady income every, you know, get a paycheck every two weeks. It was pretty much guaranteed. Um, so to jump from that to something that nothing's guaranteed, you don't have the insurance, you know, you only get a paycheck if the company's making money. I just left my job and went full-time working in the winery while Jenny maintains, um, maintain her job and were to work part-time um, until the business got to a point. And it took quite a while before the business got to a point where it could sustain both of us full-time. An initial trigger for me um, that got me thinking about it was I was in a, a corporate environment, and I had been in the auto industry for 14 years, and the entire time for me was primarily smaller companies, tier two, tier three companies, um, family run, family owned. So it was small. Um, you had a lot of impact on the bottom line, a lot of say in what happened. And then the last company I worked for was a very large company, multi-billion dollar company, international. Um, and it publicly traded and it got to the point where um, as much as I enjoyed the the people and the job itself, just the environment became very political um, the economy was kind of turning for them, and it just became it just became too political to the point where no matter what I did, it really didn't matter. I wasn't, um, you know, they had a lot of work on me, and it just wasn't. Um, I didn't feel satisfied with it, so it kind of triggered me to look for something else, and that's when we came across this idea and followed our followed our passion. Matt and I are just risk takers. We've always. Uh, we've moved a lot together. We've um, we've done a lot of things together, and we just have pure faith in each other. So, and we have a lot of grit and determination. We love challenges, and we love the possibilities of the payoff of the challenges. It's just kind of our mentality and the type of people we are. Uh, there was a group that we work with um, early on that took us through um, some training. And just showed us how to do it and how to, you know, took us through all the cleaning, sanitizing, the actual fermentation process. So um, we worked with them for about a year and a half, kind of slightly before we opened, but uh, a lot of it was concurrent with after we opened. They continued helping us out a little bit. Um, And then after a while, I knew how to make the wine. We love to learn. We love to learn new things. We love to do new things. So um, making the wine and learning the winemaking process was fun, and we enjoyed it very much. The challenges were actually just the running of the business. We both have professional backgrounds. I'm actually a financial planner, a certified financial planner with (laughs) with a financial management degree, and then my husband is a mechanical engineer with an MBA. So um, we... Running the business was the most difficult part because we just didn't know what we jumped into exactly. I mean, we did a lot of research, and we had all of our spreadsheets, and we had all of these grand ideas and projections. Business plan. Business plan, yep. But until you're actually running the business, you really don't understand what you jumped into. What Jenny and Matt experienced is so common. Even the best ideas can be tested by the challenges inherent to running a business. But they quickly learned, and not long after opening, they were expanding. Yeah, when we first started our, our tasting room and production area, it was just in a 2,100-square-foot facility, a strip mall. And um, about a year and a half, almost two years in, um, the tenant that was next to us, which was an engineering firm, decided they wanted to downsize their office and relocate. Well, that opened up approximately another 4,000 or so square feet. And um, at that point, we had been looking at 
expanding what we were doing and it just it worked out well that we were able to expand in that strip mall without actually having to relocate so we took the opportunity and leased the space next to us and we took what was our tasting room and we moved it to the other side which was much larger and created more of a, a tap room kind of wine bar um, uh, atmosphere and then the old space became essentially um, a small banquet space for private parties like bridal showers and stuff. Only held, what, 30 people or so. So it was very limited, but it became a, an event space that could be kind of semi-private from the main tap room. Um, and in that time, we were able to expand our offerings. We expanded our – we started with four beers, and we went up to 12 um, we added a small stage and we did live music every week. So it, it created more of a cool hangout, um, atmosphere, um, that kept the, kept the customers more engaged and we had more stuff going on. We were able to offer more and we started doing beer, beer and wine dinners. And yeah, so the, so the, ex, so the expansion allowed us to do a lot more and be more creative. Yeah. We were able to kind of expand our offerings and, and I feel like that was a stepping stone to the business we are today. I mean, he's Matt speaks of then we had a small event space, you know, 30, 40 people we could do in that. So we, we kind of delved into a whole new little mini market within our business, which was doing private events. And we really enjoyed that and enjoyed being a part of people's special moments. So you know, look at us today, and now we have a 280-person wedding facility. So it, it was kind of that first stepping stone towards who we are today. But you got to go through all of those little stepping to- stones before you kind of figure out who you are when you want to grow up. Yeah. The extra space in the strip mall helped them expand business offerings and discover a new niche. But it still wasn't enough space. The next phase of expansion that would get them out of the strip mall also came with major funding challenges that almost shut them down. So this, uh, the building that we're in now, which is our bank facility, um, it is on a five-acre property. We have two buildings here. Uh, the bank facility is 6,000 square feet, main floor, 2,000 upper floor, and then the production facility and tap room now is 10,000 square feet. When this property became available in 2012, we... It wasn't exactly the time that we were ready to make an investment such as this. We still had two years left on our lease on Leroy Street, but we wanted so badly to own our own space and to be in our own facility that we um, could, you know, grow and grow into and be, you know, build in our own vision that we just jumped right in. We've we found a bank that would back us for the mortgage, and we literally went to an auction site because this building went on auction. We sat in the back little corner of our little tap room then and on a computer, and we bid that minimum bid. <laughs> so both of us looked at us and said, we did it. We just, we just bid on this crazy large property. And, um, and then a couple hours later, I'll be darned, no one else bid on it, and we won the bid. We were just floored. So that... <laughs> So then we had to literally call every friend and family member we knew to get money because we had to send in the earnest money like the next day. Yeah, once the – so we we got an email saying we had won the bid um, within an hour or so after the bidding ended. And then the next day we got an email that said, now you you have two business days. Um, So this was a Friday. You had two business days. So by the end of Monday – we had to put up 
about 20% of the cost in well, order like 50 to, grand. yeah, it was like 50 grand in order to get through the closing and everything. We had to put up a bunch of money. Well, we didn't have it at the time. So <laughs> we started putting out phone calls and friends, family started coming together and got us the money so we could at least get to the closing date and get our mortgage and go from there. We were able to pay back everybody, but that first, it took 45 days to close. So during that time, we had to put up put up all this money to oh to follow our, our dream for this property. When we started 2007, 2008, that's when the, when the recession hit. So when we first came up with the idea and we're starting to open the, the conventional wisdom at the time is, you know, open it using personal credit cards and, you know, your, your name. Um, but it's right before we officially opened our doors is when everything went downhill. So immediately credit cards were being closed down, home equity lines, you know, any funding was being closed down. So it became a struggle from day one to kind of grow because the funding options and banks weren't, weren't lending. Um, so the first couple years prior to meeting up with um, SBC, SBDC, um, it, was a, it was definitely a struggle. So uh, funding and cash flow is always a struggle. In fact, it's a struggle today. Um, a business is not, cannot operate without positive cash flow. It just can't happen. So that's always a struggle. But um, you can manage through that with daily operations. But when you want to do expansions, that's when it really becomes difficult because you can't just pull sums of money out of your daily cash flow in order to make investments in your company. We had to really um, kind of get our ship right after the uh, startup and after, you know, using all our personal credit. And, you know, we just really had to get our ship right so that we could go to the banks and ask for funding. And that involved just a lot of time and faith and energy in getting stuff paid down and just really focusing our cash flow on the things that mattered the most in the business to make it go forward. So we closed on the building uh, July 31st, 2012, and we still had a lease on Leroy Street. So we had to keep operating at Leroy Street. We weren't able to buy out our lease or move. And then the second step of when we got this property, it had been vacant for three years. So it was in pretty bad shape. The grounds were in terrible shape as far as being overrun. And then the building itself was here for a different purpose than what we were going to use it for. So we had to build it out in the way that we needed it for our operations. So we started immediately with production operations. And in 2013, we installed a seven-barrel brewery in the now production building and that was our first investment in the property aside from mowing the lawn and weeding yeah Yeah, at the time we were running that brewery we still didn't have the tap room the bar um, that you saw that wasn't there it literally was a big empty building with a seven barrel electric brewery (laughs) sitting in the middle of it and um, I started producing beer there or here and at the same time I could produce small batches at the old place so for a while I was making beer at both locations and the beer that we produced here um, allowed us to get into distribution so we started doing some small distribution um, around um, southeast Michigan um, which helped with some cash flow bringing in extra cash flow but at the same time we were still focused on primarily on our, our tap room and getting this facility built out So the total transition to the new property took us two years. 
bought it in 2012, moved in in 2014. 2013, we concentrated on the production facility, getting our product um you know, made here on site, getting the equipment that we needed in place so that we could move production operations. Our main focus is always the beer and wine, the producing of the beer and wine. So that was our main focus in 2013. And then in 2014, we knew our lease was ending. So we needed to do all the build out that we had written down on pieces of paper and kind of planned out, you know, where the bar is going to be, you know, what we're going to do with the bank facility. And so that was our second struggle, is we could not find funding to do the build-out. We, we really thought, uh, there were moments in the beginning of 2014 where I thought I was putting that for sale sign out in front of this building. So, you know, without being able to do the actual build-out to operate the business at this property, in July of 2014, our lease ended. We needed to be out, and we were not extending that lease because we already were paying on two properties for two years. So, you know, we, it was just pure grit and determination, and again, calling out to all the resources that we had. Is there anyone out there? Traditional banks would not fund our move. Um, and we found Metro Community Development, which is a small micro lender in Flint, Michigan. And they really came to the rescue. They listened to our plan. They trusted in us. They believed in us. And they gave us the money to do the build-out. So that was, that was a really amazing moment in our business life, I would say, because we were really worried in 2014 that this was the end. So... Anyway, we got the money, and we worked really hard. The money came in just four months before we needed to move. With that hurdle passed, Matt and Jenny started working full steam getting the new property ready. But right away, they encountered an even bigger problem. They needed to install a fire suppression system in order to meet code. And the bill? $100,000. So we needed to put it to work, and Matt and I were the contractors here, and we called everybody and got the parking lots done and permits and, you know, all the stuff that we needed to do to get opened. And um, right before we were going to open, it was the end of, it was the beginning of May, we found out that the banquet facility couldn't open because we needed to put in a fire suppression system. So that was another moment of gotcha moment where you just, you know, you went. So I would say to anyone, if you're looking at a property, please do the research and find out what the codes are, because that was a moment where we just were uh, quite surprised. So we kind of rehashed our plan. We said, well, we're moving the taproom anyway. We're going to move production over here, move, you know, open the tap room. We're going to open one building on the property and we're going to start with the one building because we had gotten the occupancy for that. And that was our plan. So we got that moved over and we immediately started researching, um, you know, sprinkler systems. Cause when you're in a business, you come into a lot of challenges and a lot of things that you need to do and you don't know a thing about it. Not one thing. Yeah. And the issue we, that we had with this building was when it was originally built, the codes in the area stated that you could have this, it's a 9,000 square foot building. You could have this building. It was good without fire suppression up to 300 people, which was fine. It was perfect fit in with what we we're looking for. But during shortly before we close on the property is when the, they adopted new international standards, 
and it took it from 300 people down to 99. Anything above 99, you have to have a full fire suppression, meaning sprinklers and water and everything else. And that that is north of 100 grand to install. And so that's the research we did. We knew nothing about fire suppression. We um, knew nothing about how to even go about doing it. So we contacted a bunch of companies and started researching, learning more about the codes than we ever wanted to know. We went to Board of Appeals trying to get some leniency on what we were allowed to do and to get us open. And we fell flat on everything as much as we tried. We we really struggled to get anybody to um, give us some leniency to be able to open. So we were stuck at at 99 people, which for weddings is very small, and it's not worth the, worth the effort to open this building. So that's where, yeah, that was one of those moments where you really have to dig deep to, to want to continue um, doing what we're doing. From the time we started the process to finally um, finding some funding, um, it took us about 18 months of going through Board of Appeals, meeting with the state, meeting with local township and fire marshals and everything else, and meeting with bankers and everything, trying to just limp along and get this place open. But it was an 18-month process from the time we were told we couldn't do it to the time we finally um, got approval from the local fire marshal. Um, So it was 2015 was really when the bulk of that happened, and 2015 is a year we would just soon forget the the strain on us mentally and physically trying to go through this because instead of working on building the business you're doing everything you can to read international fire codes and meeting with contractors and learning what you can what are the options with fire suppression systems what types are out there so we spent all our time doing that which doesn't in the grand scheme of things doesn't help the business grow you're just trying to take care of a problem and it just it was extremely overwhelming and a lot of lost sleep that year. So, Ultimately, it was Matt and Jenny's perseverance and grit that pushed the company through its struggles. What people need to know is we're a bootstrap company, right? So we don't have, you know, funders. We don't have other investors. It's just Matt and I. So we, we're really a bootstrap company. So the, our story is different than some of the stories out there. If you have, you know, if you have, you know, good funding background or someone who's supporting the the growth of your business or other investors in the business it really does make it easier as you know would have made it easier for us but Matt and I really wanted to do this on our own and we we really wanted to say it was ours so we we're we're definitely a bootstrap company but like she said it's always been bootstrap we don't come from a bunch of money we're just dumping it in here it's literally you know we're strapping it together ourselves and figuring it out and um, we've done a lot of uh, work ourselves and then with a lot of help from mug club members and customers that help us out and someone knows carpentry will come in and help us out so it's been a lot of that just kind of bootstrapping along the whole time and um, it's worked out in the end but it's been doesn't make it easy hard work alone is not enough for a company to be successful it also requires commitment to fundamental business principles of knowing your mission and cultivating a good company culture and Matt and Jenny excel at both. It's been an amazing journey. Uh, we started as a two-person 
operation back in 2008, and we now have 17 year-round employees and seven seasonal employees. So it's it's a pretty amazing uh, place that we're at right now. 2016 was a record year for us with 31 weddings and the tap room doing so great. And in this year, we're really looking forward to utilizing our outdoor beer garden space a lot more, doing a lot more great events this year for the tap room and all of its customers, and then continuing with the um, amazing wedding service that we're doing. When we um, started planning for the wedding and banquet facility, we actually hired a full-time chef and a full-time banquet manager. And we brought them on staff a full 18 months before we were actually ready to open the facility. So they did most of the planning and work on the menus and all of the infrastructure for running the the events. And it's been really fun kind of growing a team, growing a team that is, you know, involved with the growth of the business and really alongside with us. The bottom line always comes down to you need to focus on your core business. And I think over the years, that's what we've really learned is that you have to focus on, you know, your core. For us, it's wine and beer and the experience that surrounds wine and beer. So we, when we got done with a lot of our expansion, we really had to hone down on what our company looked like and get back to the roots of what, how we began, which Matt touched on is that we are, we're, it's about the community, it's about the connection, it's about the experience of wine and beer in a gathering place. So that's what we really focus on, and I think it helps, um, it, it can help a company get to the next level just by focusing on those passionate points and why you started the business in the first place. Even with the stress and sleepless nights of 2015, Jenny and Matt would do it all over again. I I wouldn't change what we're doing today for anything. In fact, we joke a lot about it. Uh, Would we ever be able to go and work for somebody else again? Never. Uh, After 10 years of a lot of struggles and a lot of tribulations and a lot of different successes and um, just... The experience of it has really made us grow as people, and I am very thankful for all the experiences that we have because I feel like it's really strengthened who I am personally, and it's strengthened us as a couple as well. So I think I think I would never change any of that. Even though we've had numerous, you know, it's been a it's been a roller coaster that you got your you got your valleys and you got your peaks and we've been through a lot of valleys, but there's all we always because of our passion, because of our um, faith in each other, we can we reach those peaks and those are the really cool parts. And you just hope there's more peaks and valleys. And we've gone through we have gone through a lot of struggles um, and it's been really difficult. But sticking to our vision, we 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 have passion for what we're doing and that that's gotten us through a lot and it's we've definitely grown a lot and strengthened us a lot if you want to learn more about fenton winery and brewery check them out on facebook or online at fentonbrewery.com how much do you really know about the sbdc and business consultant harry blecker well keep listening to find out This podcast series is made possible by the I-69 Trade Corridor Regional Office of the Michigan Small Business Development Center, or SBDC. 
The Michigan SBDC offers no-cost counseling, business education, and a range of services to help any small business start, grow, innovate, or transition. SBDC offers all kinds of workshops, from the basics of starting a business, writing a business or marketing plan, and learning financial management to advanced sessions on human resources, marketing, cybersecurity, and more. Most SBDC clients in the Flint area work with senior growth business consultant, Harry Blecker. And just like most counselors, Harry gets to learn a lot more about his clients than they do about him. Well, I turned the tables and found out some really interesting things about Harry, and now I'm sharing them with you during the break of each podcast in this series. Hey, Harry, what do you love so much about your job? I really enjoy my career being around young people at, a, at a, a school of higher education, being around faculty, being around very smart people, being around my clients, uh, customers, if you will, and listening to their stories and their vis- visions for the future and, and, their, and their families and how you know, I can play a role uh, to move and advance their visions for themselves forward is sometimes intimidating to me, but mostly inspiring to be able to participate in their life's adventure. And uh, so I take my job seriously. I uh, enjoy it and because it pays me back too. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Lessons from Main Street. For more stories of real small business experiences, check out our other episodes of Lessons from Main Street on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. 